Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show here on New Zealand Sport Radio. Uh, with you coming to you at 8pm every Tuesday, which means, yes, it's only three and a bit hours to lockdown. Um, for us uh, this time. Uh, so uh, uh, there we go. Um, mm. And uh, as Arun says in the live chat, who's up for doing a show since we're all home? Uh, and <laughs> yes, we are all going to be at home for the next few days. And uh, joining me from his home is uh, Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Driving back home, one of the songs which come up on my radio station, uh, Hauraki, was It's the Final Countdown by Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, three hours of lockdown. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. Let's do this lockdown properly so we can get the hell out of it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, good to be on the show. I hope you're well, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, so uh, obviously you've had your drive back. Whereas, um, uh, do you have a nice dinner? Uh, a short, sharp dinner. <laughs> it was a bit of a roast. It's a bit cold out where, where I'm living at the moment, and it's it's quite windy. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed a, a nice warm roast, and uh, I was quite looking forward to this show, actually. Cool. Uh, I, I've, I've had some uh, – oh, actually, before I tell you this, I'll, I'll just bring Stephen Harrison. Um, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Paul, and good evening, Paul. Great to be on the show, as always. Always a privilege and a pleasure, Paul. Yeah, we're just going through our dinners, and, um, yeah, I've just had some real um, nice coromandel uh, mussels this evening. <laughs> So, um, yes, exactly. Um, some fresh coromandel mussels. I uh, didn't, uh, uh, a bit of a, so there, there we are all blaming you guys up in Auckland on, on our, on our, in, on our um, messenger position. chat. Um, and, uh, and then I find, uh, and so I'm looking after my kids today because um, the ex is uh, working a bit further, further from home. And uh, yeah, guess where she's been working? Coromandel mm. town. So there we go. So. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Mm. There we go. Let's well, as as Boa said, let's all hope we all you're all nice and safe. Uh, let's do this lockdown properly, uh, and let's come out of it the other side um, as quickly as possible and back to normality. Um, as, um, as as well, and as some yeah, uh, good evening, folks. Sorry, I'm late. I was at the he was at the supermarket. Dear evening, folks. Look, remember, <laughs> the supermarkets don't run out of food. They don't run out of booze either. So don't worry. Uh, you cannot. You can get. There's no need to to rush and zoom in. 
um, it, it will all be okay. The um, but uh, I guess one team that it's not all okay for has been the Wallabies over these last couple of games. Oh, look at that smooth as, eh? Smooth as. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I have to confess on my way back, I did stop a stop at the uh, bottle store. It's called the Bottle O, actually. There's no one there. I was the only customer. So I had the whole beer chiller to myself. And um, I, I was I was tempted at, uh, you know, kind of grabbing a few boxes. But the guy running the shop said, look, there's, there's plenty to go. Don't worry. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? Just look, really? Just, I, 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 thought, I thought you were going to say you'd emptied it and the next person couldn't have anything. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at bottle of store robbed. Okay, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I uh, talk about the wallabies. You know that, that that's that's what the the, the beer chiller. <laughs> yeah, no, the beer chiller was so empty. That's what their form reminded me of. They just just didn't have any. But that that said, that said, guys, how many times have we seen this movie before? All Blacks first up, you know, they have a bit of a scratchy sort of win. Uh, take the foot off the gas pedal. And then everyone gets really cranky. And then all of a sudden, New Zealand's most hated villain is Ian Foster. Fast forward seven days. Oh, my God. You know, it, it's, it's an absolute, you know, all blacks should be charged uh, uh, for manslaughter in the first degree or something. And fortunately, fortunately, we had a few uh, stop, start, reset, the all blacks. They did make a few errors in that first quarter. And, you know, the Wallabies, they came to play. Uh, they had some, you know, brief shining moments. If not for that, I don't think Dave Rennie would have survived it into the next week. Because, the, uh, you know, reality, the way the All Blacks were looking, uh, had they replicated that for a full 80 minutes, we would have seen 100-plus scores. So I think, the, I think the Wallabies were really lucky that the damage stopped at 57. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I can see improvement compared to where they were with with, with Chuka. I can see incre incremental Im improvements. The, the, the problem is for the Wallabies. I think once they start to creep a, a little bit behind, I think being a young side, and they are a young side, I think a bit of panic actually sets, sets in more than anything else. And I think if you, a team like the All Blacks, I think if you let them play their game, um, they will they will open you up, and then the scoreboard pressure basically uh, takes takes its toll. But I also thought, gee, that that long range penalty I think literally took the wind out of their sails as well. I mean, so when Damien McKenzie was lining that up, I thought you know even with a breeze behind him, I thought that was rather ambitious. But boy, I think from a Wallabies point of view, it almost like it basically took the wind out of out of them. It certainly did, and it actually galvanized pretty much the crowd, everyone watching it live, because, you know, something really spectacular happened. And, and you know, Damien McKenzie, he only took two real strides, two big strides, and gave it a hoof. Oh. It only just went over the crossbar. It was a monumental kick, and that just galvanized all backs, because uh, I looked at the stats, every single carry, there was at least four post-contact meters. So, Every time they were hitting the first contact or the first would-be tackler, they were on average making four meters plus. And I think that's what really changed the whole impetus. Um, 
and and you know once once you give the all blacks a bit of momentum and they start opening you up with that fast ruck recycle particularly with Aaron Smith uh you know it was it was game over and one thing i do have to say steve is i agree that the the, the wallabies are a very young side however i think with the game plan they're just getting carried away um they're trying to play this full you know uh full throttle playing yeah. at 100 miles an hour every single time they just don't necessarily have the full skill set not just yet to be continually and consistently playing that and what that does is every time they make a mistake which they did plenty of the all blacks just cane you so i think that just needs to be tweaked a bit uh, but they are trending in the right direction they just need to get all these bits and pieces together and in in the pivotal positions particularly at your first five guys like lola here they just need to really see some significant improvement in skills like distribution being able to get the ball as fast as they can to the two, the edge to to intercept tries <clears throat> we shouldn't forget and they were just absolute gifts um and and you know those those are real coach killers for crying out loud you know i, I think they could have played a little bit tighter and i agree sometimes you might have to kick kick a little bit more against the all blacks and and him the all blacks back back down in in their territory Look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's I, I, I disagree with Bell on the on the hundred plus hundred points thing. Um, the I mean, not, clearly the, the All Blacks were were the better team, but the and, and I guess one of things we've got to be careful of here. I mean, one of the things I've been um, harping on about uh, it's on um, on Twitter um, has been of a Razzy Rasmus needs to get banned from rugby um, for more for, for for his stupid video. But we've said that before, or I've said it before. Um, but also the fact that yeah, the all that the, the um, Uh, the, the the rugby we saw in, in, the, in that Lions series between South Africa and the Lions was boring from both teams, right? And, and I'm very clear about this: it's both teams. It's not just me having got the, the Springboks, but with the Wallabies here, they were just trying to play too much rugby, as you say, Bart. I mean, the the the, new, the All Blacks get in front because of a an intercept an intercept by um, by Rich, um, by by um, uh, uh, Richie. Um, I know by Rico, wasn't it? Uh, who got the the first? Yeah, Rico Yorne. On on four minutes, Wallabies came back well. Mm. McDermott, I thought, was having a good game, um, and, uh, and and Callaway uh, is looking uh, is looking really comfortable at this level of rugby. Um, the they uh, the the All Blacks get held out. They they go for they go for sticks and miss. Um, so the Wallabies did well there. Um, then the Wallabies they fake a tap and go uh, in front of the posts. Um, they, they fake sort of uh, kicking sticks, and and that ends up being a t- um, They, they knock it on, and suddenly um, Akiri breaks downfield, and it's a try. Um, they um, uh, then we have the uh, Hunter Basami um, trying to take on Will Jordan and trying to burn him. But you're not going to burn Will Jordan. Um, and then straight after that, um, we, uh, we 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 get a try by um, uh, by Aaron Smith. Uh, sees a two on one with Cody Taylor, um, and it's those sort of things that, as you say, knocks the wind out of the other Wallabies, and then it blows out. But I think that think for that first. Until that kind of Pasami try, and then obviously the, I mean, the DMAC kick comes, comes comes a couple of minutes afterwards. Um, the the Wallabies aren't that far away. It, it's and it's giving away counter attacking opportunities that the they're all about taking very well, um, but um, but I don't think they're I don't think they're as bad as uh, so you say they are improving, um, and, I, and I don't think it's, I don't think that it really is that hundred hundred points um, there. I do think they're playing really good, good rugby. I think back to some of the some of the early days of Checker, where they were just trying to basically bash it. There was just <clears> carry <throat> after carry after carry, and 
you know, and I can see what they were trying to do. They, they probably they had the theory of holding on to the ball, keeping it away from the All Blacks, forcing them not not to play rugby. The the thing with the All Blacks, I think no matter who the All Blacks play, whether they're playing the Springboks, England, whoever, they force you to try and play a bit of rugby. Now, unless you've got a game plan that's pretty well down pack where you can slow the game right down, put pressure through through a high kicking game, through uh, putting pressure pressure on, on line out, line out and scrum, I think that's probably the only way you can shut the All Blacks down. That's why, unfortunately, heading back to the British Lions and, and South African series, I think that's why yeah. we saw that style of rugby. I don't think any of those two teams <clears throat> were really, at the end of the day, prepared to play mm. a lot of rugby. They were just prepared to, gr- to, to grind and it came down to whoever made made the, the least mistakes at the end of the day. I thought there was... There was- there was one set play uh, I have to point out. I think it was the 21st minute. Wallabies had a scrum. Uh, was on the uh, you know 10 meters in 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 the attacking half. Uh, Banks joins the line at depth, and he puts a, a a grubber kick right through left corner, just in front of the try line, 10 meters out from touch, and that really forced the All Blacks into uh, uh, what I call a 50-50 situation. Are we going to play the ball? Are we going to uh, let it roll away? And it didn't roll away. And it just hung uh, uh, in, in, in go. And that meant if you, if you force it down, you, it's going to be a, a, a goal line dropout. So that sort of tactic from a set play is what you need to continually try and do and put pressure uh, on that all black back three where they have to actually try and run it out from almost the goal line. But soon as you start moving away from tactics like that, trying to run everything, that's when the mistakes start coming in. So I think from a tactical point of view, there were some significant misfires from the Wallabies. They do have the players to execute uh, uh, a game plan where it, it revolves around kicking. They just didn't do it well enough. Um, and of course, the uh, other other thing I have to say is with the Wallabies uh, in, in this game, we had 19 minutes. That's right, 19 minutes of scrum resets. That's almost a quarter where there was there was no active play. So hence, that's why I said if uh, all that was taken out of the equation, and also the All Blacks did make a few errors, uh, we would have seen a very very different scoreline. So that's that's. The reason why I say that the Wallabies were very lucky, but they did have their moments. They they they're certainly trending in the right direction. I hope they can, I hope they can persist with it, but there just needs to be some tactical savviness, and they need to be planning so that they don't make this mistake again and be on the wrong side of another hiding. Now, I mean, the, the, there's I mean, a couple of things from this. Actually, um, let's talk about the Wallabies first, then, uh, and the the. The, the scrapping of the um, Gitto rule. Um, now, I mean, Stephen, you've been a you've been a big advocate of this that the Wallabies should pick players from from all over the world. So you're happy with what they're doing? If if it needs to make a to strengthen a, a Wallaby side, yes, that's the upside. The downside, it may weaken their Super Rugby side. So it's uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a balancing act. But boy, when you see the likes of the Arnold brothers and Skelton playing in France and playing really, really good rugby. And these are terribly big men. No offence to the 
to the locks that the Wallabies have at the moment, but that's probably lock. If you take Isaac Rodder out, that's probably lock five, six, and seven that we're we're basically watching in this Wallaby side at at the at the moment. Listen, I think I think take your chances on um, on 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 Super Rugby. Hopefully, hopefully the the fact that Super Rugby will be based around the around Oceania might be enough just to to say to those players, you know what. <laughs> Let's let's stay in our own country and don't look so much about the rugby. You know, given the given what's happening with COVID, it just might be enough to keep these guys a little bit closer to home. Yeah, I think that's to, to me that that that's the real problem. If they go down this route, a bit like South Africa has done already, uh, of selecting doesn't matter where you are, is that the Super Rugby sides are going to drop, and then uh, what kind of attendance, what kind of um, aspiration are you going to get from local kids wanting to play rugby? If they see the Super Rugby sides beat, getting beaten all the time, uh, so it's a bit of. But so I think trying to keep their players in country is is a um, uh, is a good is, is a good point. Um, but um, <coughs> the um, uh, but as you, but you say that yeah, it's and it seems to be locked. I look, I think I don't think there's any other position. I mean, sure, I, with, I mean, Karevi is about to head uh, is is is. Uh, the thing is obviously been available for the sevens, and uh, that uh, will come back into it. Um, you've got um, Corabetti about to head overseas, but on the whole, apart from locks, there aren't there aren't there aren't wallabies that many wallabies overseas who are demanding or or or, or holes in the side. But you're right; they, they do need to strengthen their locks um, piece. Unfortunately, I just yeah, I just hope it doesn't involve basically the the the, the super size losing all their players. Yeah, yeah. You can just you can just see that White Lock and White Lock and, and Retallick just had a, a field day, and that was probably Rodie Retallick since he's returned, probably probably his best game. You you can just see that he's building at, at every at every moment. I think the great thing for the the great thing that's happening for the All Blacks, they are building some proper depth in their loose forward and um, Akira Yuani, Man, I think he's found his feet. <laughs> at this level of rugby and we may have found the six that um, the All Blacks have been looking for for a very long, long time. And uh, I think whilst Dalton Papali has been a, an, an admirable deputy, you know, I think what Sam Kane will bring back into this team is, is physicality. I suppose the, the big question, will they relinquish the captaincy from, from Sam Whitelock and give it back to Sam Kane? Me personally? I think I'd leave that captaincy with Sam Whitelock at this point in time. I, I I fully agree. I think Sam Whitelock his last six games outstanding form, and he's he's picked up that same super rugby form, just rolled rolled right into it. Um, and, and 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 for me, the the clear cut difference between Sam Sam Whitelock of the the recent past and previous is he just knows uh, when to get involved. And also, he doesn't shy away from the real brute hard work, the carries, making sure that you know, uh, if it means you're gonna you're gonna win uh, the the close quarters, getting those one two meter gains up front, and he's uh, you know he's he's willing to do that. And I think all that experience has taught him that sometimes you just gotta get stuck in, use the sandpaper before you unleash the silk. And I think all the junior players are now starting to see that and they're following that leader. So bang on Stephen Harris, I wouldn't change the captaincy. One thing I have to say is with regards to the 
overseas players and the Wallabies. Short term, they're going to have to scrap this so that they can uh, limit some of this damage control. But I think long term, they need to look at revamping their local competitions, much like what we have here with the NPC, so that it does not take away the pathway for some of the homegrown players. Um, and, and look, guys, the, the, the reality is there is enough talent in Australia, but they are losing a lot of players to other codes, such as you know the AFL, basketball, oh. so on and so forth. So that's, that's the main root cause as to why Union is actually oh. losing out. Uh, and that needs to be addressed first and foremost. W once that is done, I think long-term, some of their prospects will right. be very, very good. But short-term, I agree, they need to right. uh, scrap the ghetto you know, You know, they, they, if you think about it, Australia fights above their weight. What what have, what have they won? Two, 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 World, two World Cups. They've been in, uh, they've been in <clears> four World Cup finals, I, I think it is, in total. When you think of their, their player base, and they probably lose their best, Best athletes to to either NRL or or AFL. They bat really well. I mean, to say, I know uh, our good friend John O'Connor has been sort of lamenting uh, South Africa's disposition in and around COVID, and <clears> South <throat> Africa haven't played for a couple of years. But we've got to remember that in Australia, rugby is not the number one game, but we know what they can be capable of if they get them, if they somehow able to have. A good crop of say thirty players who can, who can play test rugby because I think at the moment they probably, if you if you really really truthfully look through their side at the moment, they are probably guys you know Michael Hooper arguably probably running around as the best seven in the world at the moment. But you go through the rest of that rest of that team in terms of ultimate world world class players, it's not a hell of a lot there. But there are guys mm -hmm. like Tate McDermott who I think is now standing up as the number one halfback in Australia at the moment. Lolo Seo, the, long, the longer those two stay together and get their, their form together, the better they'll go. They've got a whole crop of midfielders, <coughs> the likes of Paisami, Ikato, um, um, Paya, um, and also, of course, uh, uh, Kurid, not Kuridrani, uh, Karevi, who's Kurevi, coming yep. in. For them, the problem is a little bit like the All Blacks problem for the last few years where the All Blacks couldn't work out who their best midfielders, mm. they need to settle on that midfield. Because at the moment, I think they're probably, Banks is probably their best fullback. Callaway, to me, has been a revelation, especially after watching him mm. play for Counties Monaco last year. Man, I didn't think he had that sort of game in him. But boy, he's he scored two tries that have been well finished and hasn't looked out of place at that level of rugby. But if you were picking a world 15, a second world 15, a third world 15, mm. how many of those players would make their current team? No, you're very, you're very, very true. Um, and but uh, yeah, I, I do think the the NRC and the, the scrapping of the NRC has been a massive problem. It will be a massive problem for the Australia going forwards, um, and it's hence it's why we've seen uh, there's about five or six uh, Australian. <laughs> rugby players um, uh, who are playing now in uh, uh, in the NPC uh, oh, this year. So uh, because there's, there's no rugby for them in Australia this time. Yeah. Uh, so how do you develop your game? Oh, it, it, exactly. You know, to give to go to go one step further, there might even be a lot more. Paul, you've obviously got the likes of Sam Kidd, who basically <clears> came <throat> home to play for Northland, but on on Saturday playing for Auckland B was uh, Robbie Abel, <laughs> who's, who's been around the traps. 
um, in New Zealand here. He's been with Northland, he's been with Auckland, but he's also been with the Brumbies, been with the Re- been with the Rebels, and he's also been with uh, I think maybe the Reds. I stand to be, be or the Waratahs. Beg your, beg, beg your pardon, but Albert Anay, who's also played for the Brumbies and the Rebels, um, was also playing for Auckland B on Saturday. You know, you know <clears> seriously. Yep, um, but um, but I, I, it's. I, having the NRC um, uh, revived would be good, but I just don't see um, how it's actually. It just doesn't seem to be on on their radar um, currently. Um, by the way, on the, just on the ghetto law, they're looking at opening it up, but not making it entirely open. So that it's um, they're they're going to look at it, but it's not. Uh, uh, they'll still, I think, base their team around home based players um, with a few extras where they see the need. Um, but even even those players that have gone overseas have been home-based, uh, have learned their code apps in Australia then gone overseas. It's not like Scotland going and getting Sean Maitland or um, WP Nell uh, or these sort of players. They, they've all got to come through Australia at some point um, before heading overseas uh, into in, in that one. But um, yeah, but yeah, as when you're talking about locks, it's very true that some Aussie rules, uh, the body size or the body shape that you're looking at for lock. Is perfect for Aussie rules, and that's where they're going to go initially. So, yeah, it is a it is it is a problem, a unique problem for uh, the um, ARU. Bringing it closer to back home, then, um, and uh, Simon says that uh, uh, one thing he found annoying was that TJ is allowed to play for the All Blacks, and he hasn't <coughs> played an NPC match yet. But then again, so is Bowden Barrett, so is um, Brody Retallick. Um, TJ seems to be the one that's that, that, that's getting the flak boys. Not the other guys. Uh, sure, the, I mean, his contract situation was slightly different, but um, at the end of the day, he went to Japan, has come back, uh, and has gone straight back into the side just in the same way that um, the uh, um, uh, Brody and Bowden has. So, do you think it's a bit unfair the flack that uh, TJ is getting? Uh, so let, let let me answer that question, Simon. Look, that's that's a, that's a very valid answer, and I'll tell you where all this is stemming from. So this is all to do with high performance with NZR, i.e. the All Blacks. Uh, I can understand fully well why TJ was brought into the fold. Foster and his co-coaches, they wanted the experience. They wanted to make sure that they had the bloody slow in the bag, right? Uh, but what's actually being sold to the general public through NZR with the revamping of our NPC, with the revamping of our grassroots rugby and all these advertising campaigns is that there's a very clear-cut pathway uh, to getting your foot through the door into high performance. I.e. got playing club rugby, then playing NPC, playing super rugby, and then playing test rugby. So if you kind of parachute in laterally from wherever you may be, and in this instance, uh, TJ Perinara was in Japan, in the eyes of the public, uh, and it makes perfect sense, he needs to get some form under his belt. The obvious option is to play some NPC rugby. But because high performance will tinker with this whole process, they will pick and choose who, when, and what they want to do. Now, that is at odds with this whole grandeur of vision they've sold to the rugby-loving public and community that these guys have to go through this path. So this is where the issue is, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, so long as we have situations like that where we have uh, X-Factor superstars going overseas, doing their sabbatical and coming back, we will continue to see that. Now, next year we have, um, is it Damien McKenzie? So McKenzie's off. So, you know, he'll be in a similar situation. The reality is 
when you go and play in Japan, it's it's a it's a far lesser intensity. So when you come back into New Zealand, you have to repatriate yourself with the pace, with the level of contact, and with the level of rugby IQ you need. So it is a bit of a gamble when you fast track players who haven't had that form, the build up into your test side. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, guys like TJ, they have enough experience to come and do that. The good news was they weren't really needed because by the time TJ came on board, you know, the game was just done, dusted and buried. Uh, but I think a little bit more transparency from high performance to the general public and rugby community in New Zealand will go a long way, kind of, you know, easing all the kerfuffle and the noise around situations such as this. Yeah, look, I think the intensity up in uh, Japan is pretty high. The, 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 the speed of the game is fast, but the physicality isn't there. It's a different, so it's a different type of, um, it's a different style of game that they that they play. But I, I, but from, from what I understand, from, from sort of hearing from people like um, uh, like Wayne Smith, etc., that the, uh, the 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 pace of the game up there is 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 is, is perhaps even faster than here. But it doesn't have the intensity and the physicality. I think we saw that with Brady Retallick in the first couple of tests that he played, um, and that he's got used to it now. Now, Ainsley so makes a good point that look that um, the Barrett and Brody had permission to go on sabbatical, whereas TJ's contract came to an end and has then had a new contract signed. I, to me, that's a bit of semantics at the end of the day. Um, but um, And he says, look, he, he wouldn't think that RTS should go straight into playing. Well, true, but he hasn't got the skill set to do it. He has to prove the skill set. He hasn't proved, whereas TJ has got the runs on the board. He's proven he can play at this level. Yeah, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be some guys that'll, that'll slot back into this this all black team and and I suggest they'll need them, especially when we get at the Springboks and I'm talking about the likes of Joe Moody and Ofatu and Afasi. Um because you know, as as seen in that series, the Springboks we the Lions, you you need to scrum <clears throat> excuse me, across the, the the eighty minutes of the game, especially in a close close contest if it comes down to to uh, officials blowing up on, on on penalties. So you'll listen, if you've got somebody who you're going to bring back in, and he's got the got the experience, and you've got somebody who's got no experience. Man, I'd I'd, I'd put a pull a pull a TJ in there, and and besides, I probably think the next halfback in the in the in the in the picking order. We I think we know that Brent Hall's probably going to be heading off seas next year. Mitchell Drummle's been there and thereabouts. I think if you probably had somebody like a Falau Fakatava. Um, fit and ready to go he might have been he may have been the next cab off the rank that they might bring a new guy in but you know I think it's I think it's best to bring uh, an experienced head back into to the team especially if you want to make a statement the All Blacks weren't at their best in 2020 and uh, I think Foster is just basically a trying to eliminate a few <clears throat> memories bad memories from 2020 um uh, and Elvie says, yeah, transparency in rugby? Good luck with that. And he's very true. <laughs> we don't get much transparency in rugby. Um, as here or, or, or at uh, New Zealand Sport Radio, we're trying to improve that. Um, and uh, so uh, if you'd like to get a little bit of transparency, um, then uh, there is an interview I've done with Campbell, who is the CEO of Northland um, about grassroots rugby. So go check that out. That's on our Facebook, YouTube and podcast. Uh, today, I had a chat with Aaron Lawton, who is the CEO of Counties Manukau, um, and um, I will be again. Uh, that, that will that will be published on Thursday. So um, 
have a look at that one. And I've also got Mike Rogers from Bay of Plenty uh, saying he'll have a chat with me as well. Um, also, I've been in touch with um, New Zealand Rugby <gasps> because apparently they are doing a review of uh, the future of um, of rugby clubs. Uh, and I found the guy who's doing the head, who's heading that up. Uh, he has uh, palmed me off to his media person. Uh, so we'll see if we get uh, or his communications person. Sorry, let's get, let's get, get the terminology right. So let's see if she'll um, uh, uh, put me in touch for an interview around that about the future of rugby clubs. So but we're, we're trying here to do that. Um, and um, for us to do that, you know what, folks, uh, it doesn't it, it does take a lot of time and effort. And we really could do with your support. So head over to um, patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio uh, to help me bring you though that transparency, those views with those uh, administrators in rugby and a, a nice old grin on your face there, Stephen. Yeah, I, um, if I didn't know any different, boy, um, I'd almost swear that Paul's been getting some media training uh, over the last week. Some of his, uh, his segues and his tra- transitions into other subjects, I've got to say, are very, very smooth. So I absolutely <laughs> applaud that, Paul. Very, very classy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, thank you, Steve. And uh, LB also um, did ask us about uh, about the um, uh, question about the the, the Springboks um, versus the uh, versus New Zealand, where that game's going to be. Uh, right. Let's be honest, folks. No, no. It's not. It's not. Be, no, no. We, we, I think we do know. Um, we can make a we, we can make an educated guess on this one, folks. Um, the uh, look uh, quite clearly. Um, Australia, uh, particularly in New South Wales, uh, has uh, has admitted defeat to the uh, the Delta variant of COVID, um, I believe. Uh, and so the travel bubble with um, Australia is not going to reopen this year. Uh, and that basically means that the All Blacks will not be coming back to play rugby in New Zealand this year. And therefore, all of the rugby championship games will happen in Australia. We already know the Argentinian ones will, uh, and effectively the Bok ones will as well. They will probably happen in Perth and in Western Australia, um, but um, I think it's fairly, fairly safe to say that they're not that, where, that New Zealand is not opening its borders until until where the eighty odd percent vaccinated, which isn't going to happen until the end of the year. So sorry, folks, no more rugby or no more international rugby in New Zealand. Um, it is good news to hear that they are looking at um, how they can try and get the uh, Wallaroos first games against the Black Ferns. To happen, and if not, we'll see a repeat of probably of the Black Ferns versus the uh, New Zealand Barbarians, like last year, um, before they're trying to send the Black Ferns off to Europe on a on a, on a uh, November tour. Um, but I think uh, it's safe to say, I, 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 well, yes, I I wouldn't put any money on the All Blacks playing in New Zealand again this year. No, very very unlikely. Just uh, with with obviously what's happened today, uh, it's just going to set everything back that much further and you're right i mean 80 percent vaccination rate that's right now it's it's a very long way off uh so yeah but uh bit disappointing being a uh a rugby fan not to see the all blacks play here uh it's it's a shame that the uh wallabies didn't agree to play all three games here had had that been the case uh you know it would be probably you know, a, a, a very bad tour for the Wallabies. They would have probably got another thumping. But then hindsight's a wonderful thing. We're in lockdown now. So uh, that would have impacted things as well. So looks like, yeah, Opta Stadium uh, in Perth is the most likely scenario. However, however, 
all this is covid dependent so let's hope that uh, you know it doesn't spread to western australia and the reality is any rugby is better than no rugby so let's hope and pray ooh, that ooh, ooh. you 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 clearly didn't watch any of the lions tour or test matches i was talking about the championship i i was talking about the championship i was okay, excluding sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what i'm sorry oh. the, that now that that just put me to sleep that was like watching paint try paint try and grass grow all in all in one um so yeah let's let's just wait but see what happens but uh yeah most likely up the stadium and the good news is the uh the south africans might actually have quite a few fans in western australia yep. so uh might might actually you know and, and it's, look it's it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing guys you know because uh you know south africa have been through a bit of a tough time with this whole covid regulation so for them to go away uh play somewhere and if you know they get a bit of fans coming in it's not a bad thing at all and it will actually test all back so this this little tour we are going to um australia i think if history tells you anything if statistics tell you anything and we we traditionally always struggled in western australia uh <laughs> this is going to be a very testing uh time of uh uh you know uh, ian foster's uh career because i'll, I'll tell you this 57 will be very quickly forgotten if you have a bad half first up in western australia so uh, let's hope that's not the um, case so scott barrett um you're lucky because during the rugby championship um they're, they're, they they are having the 20 minute red card rule so um that is that is just for the rugby championship folks not for any other forms <clears throat> of rugby globally paul paul i was going to say whilst the um All Black performance on Saturday night was aesthetically pleasing something that wasn't aesthetically pleasing and uh it's to me a real ball drop by the New Zealand Rugby Union was uh the choice of venues for this uh um Wallaby All Black test on on the weekend that'd be remiss of us not to mention it but I just thought it was a a horrendous mistake um to basically try and milk this venue again after all basically the this previous venue or the previous week had been to they'd been booked out and obviously they got a close to a full full house at that game but to basically to go to that same well again um was really disappointed especially when you took the game away from Wellington you could have taken it there you know 100 120 odd k down the road to to Hamilton and I'm pretty sure you would have seen a, a big crowd there because I think probably really the only downside the only only thing for people watching around the world would have just been the disappointment um of just not seeing a full house for what really was a very entertaining game yeah so quickly just folks to the 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 background on that so LBS why did they move from Wellington well uh the uh, the the game was moved forward a week um so there was um uh, the, 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 that it was going to be i believe um so that meant that uh, the Cape Tin down or Sky Sky Stadium uh, down in Wellington uh, had a an event on called Beervana um which basically is a beer festival that happens on the concourse um and i've heard most people will say that it's a horrible venue for a beer festival uh, beyond a concourse but anyway uh, basically the the stadium was booked and said not available uh, they hence they they could couldn't be held in Wellington uh the so what we had was in a Bledisloe Cup one a crowd of 47,000 in uh Eden Park and in Bledisloe two a, a crowd of 25,000 in there so a drop off of uh, 22,000 people now uh, that 22 25,000 is still a bigger crowd than you would have got at the 
you would have fitted into FMG Stadium um, or the 18,000, I think it is, you get into the Orangery down in Christchurch, for example. So from that point of view, even though it looked like a half-empty stadium, which it was, uh, the crowd was still bigger than you would have got at those locations. So from a, um, I think it was that maybe the venue wasn't necessarily a, a a mistake, but I think the, the, the way they went about selling tickets, was well, I think they had basically three options. One was take it to somewhere like Nelson um, and do a double header with a an NPC game, for example. Number two was do what they did. Or number three was to give away slash reduce ticket prices. Now, the reason they didn't do that is, I, I, I guess, a couple of fold. One, they don't want to devalue the All Blacks product. Uh, hence, if someone pays $25 for a a, a grandstand seat one year, they're going to always want to pay that price. Um, plus also all the people who went the week before who had to pay $115 for that ticket, would they have um, complained um, about some, uh, would they complain about, about reduced ticket price the following week? I don't know. Um, a couple of questions, a couple of points here saying that, um, uh, that FMG is 25,000. It is when the stadium is fully open, unfortunately due to earthquake issues, one of the stands isn't fully open anymore. So, there is, so that means that the capacity is down to 20,000. Um, but yeah, so to me, I think taking it to someone like Nelson, nah, probably not Palmerston North, um, um, would have been, to, to me, would have been a great, would have been, uh, they've had experience even of hosting a Hurricanes game. So they, 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 they've had a, a big, they've got recent big match uh, kind of experience or, or um, logistics to put in place. Uh, that, that's where I think I would have liked to have taken oh. it to. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I can see you wanting to get in there, Stephen. I was going to say, on saying that, I think if the All Blacks were playing the Springboks in two Saturdays from now, I think it, I think it would be a sellout. And, yeah, sometimes I, you can try and milk something for what it is. I think the public are not stupid as well. They probably know <clears throat> that the All Blacks have still got the wood on this Australian side. But, you know, There'd be nothing better than smacking the Springboks in the eye. Certainly, it would make our uh, rugby chat, chat room a much more comfortable place if that was to uh, to happen because uh, I think uh, silence is the best form of revenge, if you know what I mean, guys. But, hey, Paul, I just noticed the time and uh, it might almost be that time to start to uh, move along to Farrah Palmer Cup, I reckon, eh? Before we do, Stephen Harris, I don't think that day is too far away because... I, I, I have this sneaky feeling brewing away that uh, there's going to be a massive reality check in waiting when these te- when these two teams do finally meet uh, because I've, I've you know just just look at all the stats and uh, how everything was played out particularly in the Lions series I think it was just a big false dawn uh, and against you know relentless front football and pace I would love I would love to see the Springboks try those same tactics against the All Blacks. And remember the last time um, the box played um, All Blacks up uh, was North Harbour Stadium? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And it was it was it was on the yeah. back of something very similar. We all saw what happened. So history, I feel, will repeat itself again, albeit in Perth. Don't mention that because it was a record scored, and we don't want to offend anybody. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I, just, I just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, 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 yeah. The um, and uh, sorry, I've just uh, I've just got an email through saying about whether I can work or not um, under this. So apparently, I'm an essential worker going forward. So I will actually be at work um, the rest of this week. So there we go, folks. Cheers. Don't forget your mask. Don't forget your mask, your gloves, your hazmat suit, your face shield, everything. Just let's do this. Let's do this right. Let's get out of this lockdown. It's just it's just killing us. So. I don't there need hazmat suit, and I don't need uh, um, a, a screen. I do, need, but I do have to wear a mask and gloves, apparently. So there we go. So I've got to find myself some gloves um, ahead of uh, ahead of Friday. So um, anyway, um, just a side issue, folks. There, uh, but as Stephen says, yes. Um, so you want to start with Farrah Palmer Cup, Stephen? Yeah, I do. I've, um, listen, probably quite a few one-sided games uh, this weekend, but definitely in that uh, that championship division, it's the Cyclones that are that are making all the play at the moment. And once again, they, uh, they were, they just basically uh, um, rock, rock, rocked up and, and were far too strong for, uh, for North Harbour, 34 points to nil. And um, yeah, once again, I think they're probably um, putting a line in the sand that they are the team to beat in the uh, championship division, Paul. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, another big win, as you say, by Hawks Bay as well. And they've already lost two games this season, so they're two and two. Uh, but yeah, Manawatu uh, are, are clearly looking like the the, the form team. Um, Northland looking like the probable team to meet them in the final there. Uh, but um, Northland have already lost to the Cyclones, so they'll know what the task is ahead of them in that one. In the Premiership, though, oh my word, what a cracking game I got to see. Um, yep. So. Um, the uh, goal. I, I know. I I actually saw this game as well, and I've got to say, in uh, both divisions of uh, Farrah Palmer Cup and Bunnings NPC, probably the game of the of the weekend. I mean to say, um, that Waikato team is a good team, but Wellington just did not go away. But unfortunately, just didn't really know. You know, little things in rugby. It just really came down to collecting a a kickoff at the end of the day, and. Uh, Wellington failed to do it, but in between times, there was some great action in this game, Paul. There was, um, and uh, you know what? It's, I, it's, um, oh, it's not going to work again, is it? I'm, I'm going I'm to have my all my videos in the wrong format, so I can't bring up the bloody oh dear me. Um, but um, yes, so I did. I was at this game. I've got post match interviews. Um, they they will be posted up on our Facebook page. Um, after this, I'm, I'm halfway through processing. But yeah, there the head coach Zach for Wellington was just like, yeah, um, we just need to play the full 80 minutes. We need to. We, we just switched off uh, in a couple of situations, such as that final restart, not claiming it. Um, one of one of the Waikato tries, 
look, their lady, their, their, their woman was there ready to put it down behind the line, but she was just a little bit too casual doing it. Um, bit of controversy as well in that, Paul. You know, you kind of, they, they, they looked at it a couple of times and, you know, it, it basically looked like they were touching the ball at the same time, but you're dead right. She just took too long to get her hands down on, on the ball. And, you know, at the time, I actually thought momentum was changing. Wellington were looking the better side. They were getting on the outside of, of Waikato and they were coming home. And, and really, it was a try that came completely against the run of play. But credit to Wellington. They came back and scored, and the, the kicker knocked over the conversion under, under pressure, which levelled the score. And then, of course, you kind of looked at the clock, and it was actually on television at home. It was saying it had gone well past the, the 80, 80 minutes, and I thought, yeah, they're going to blow it up, and they'll share the... You know, I think probably if they'd shared the points, it probably wouldn't have been a bad result. Paul, but it just goes to show, man, nail, nail your basics. And it's the, I think it's the second week in a row I think uh, counties against uh, Waikato the previous week losing a lineout after the siren had pretty much uh, pretty much gone and Wellington uh, basically scores so they pretty much had what they did to counties Monaco last week they had it done to them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, last week was uh, twenty six to twenty five um, Wellington over counties Monaco score uh, with the uh, Wellington scoring in the eighty second minute. Um, so yeah, you're right. Exactly. This uh, yeah, the reverse happened to Wellington this this week. I mean, also, we had a close game between Counties and Auckland Storm, 10-13. So Counties going down two weeks on the bounce to really small um, score lines, um, which, um, uh, and again, it was a 70 minute, 70th minute try um, that saw Auckland win that one as well. So, um, yeah, Counties, maybe uh, they, they, they have lost a couple this year, um, but... Um, Boy, uh, the fact that, that you'd say they've got a losing record, one, two, lost three, but but boy, oh boy, those losses have been close uh, in this. So um, you've got to say that um, even though they are they, they've got a losing record, as long as they get into those finals, they really could be anyone and cause and cause some, some real upsets. Yeah, Canterbury, Canterbury, of course, though, but Paul still the still still the benchmark and a comfortable enough win over yep. Bay of Plenty, was it? Um, yeah, I think I think they're still the team to beat, and so much of their uh, play revolves around Kendra Cottage as well. Really, really good kicking game. But speaking of kicking game, it's one of the real big improvements I've seen in the women's game this year is actually the the, the kicking. You know, I think the, the ladies have finally realised that you know you don't have to try and play a whole lot of rugby. You can go and play the rugby in other people's uh, ter- territory. But what I am enjoying about the uh, the um, the FPC is just the unearthing of some really good new players out on the uh, on on the scene there. You know, we know we see all these guns that run around for the New Zealand Sevens team, but it's great to see so much uh, uh, talent coming through. Yep, no, one of the one of the things I have to say, gentlemen, is particularly uh, the women's game, particularly the elite space, i.e., Fire Palmer <laughs> Cup. There's been a lot of focus on the coaching coaching side of things. So we're actually starting to see more coaches being um, facilitated and fast-tracked into the coach development, NZR High Performance Coach Development Program. Uh, so that's why you're seeing a more tactical game. And also, I've got to say something about that game with the Waikato woman and the Wellington Pride. I mean, look, yes, there were lapses in basics, and but it just all made great theatre. And I think oh. it was a great advertisement for women's rugby. And if you actually want to bring the punters to the turnstiles and eyeballs on the TV screens, 
those sort of games and you know styles make fights styles make matchups it was uh, yeah you know there were periods where you know a team went to sleep you know that 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 the try which wasn't given i i i had a, a very close look at it i would have given it i would have given it but look it all made for great viewing so yeah. for people who are new to the game who want to get involved in the game and who want some of the you know the 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 younger girls uh, the the children getting involved in the game that was that was a fantastic advertisement so um yeah what you know why the coaches might say yeah look we we we, we can't afford to switch off i think it was a wonderful thing it just made for this <laughs> great fantastic you know uh photo finish and um I loved it. What can I say? As long as long as every venue has a uh, has a um, defibrillator machine for for coaches <laughs> with heart conditions at the end of games, because uh, quite frankly, mate, I don't know if it'd do anything for my heart. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a brilliant, brilliant game to watch and, and to and interview players afterwards uh, and and coaches. So do do um, I say that those will go up on on the Facebook page this evening. Um, the the other thing, though, when you talk about coaching in this level, people go, "Oh, well, look, the standard isn't, isn't as high." Well, okay, a number of things here. Number one, they're not professionals; they don't, they're not full-time players in the same way that a lot of the, the some of the men, the men are. Um, and secondly, um, they don't have the same coaching resources. I remember uh, having a chat um, out to, uh, to um, one of the Canterbury players. Now, now this might—I can't remember if this was last year or the year before—but um, they were like, "Oh, we've had a we've, we've had a scrum coach for the first time this year." I was like, "Pardon." And then I started talking to the um, head coach afterwards about and say, hey, look, I hear you've got a scrum coach. That's fantastic. He's like, yes, he's volunteering. And you're like, whoa, okay. Um, uh, and, and you think of one of those, think of a men's team and go, what, what you don't have a scrums coach? Where's, where's, if, um, so the difference in level of coaching um, and just raising that level of coaching will make the game um, a lot better. Uh, and, and so it's good to hear that it's heading in that direction. I would still imagine that they're not, or that they don't have a full paid up, um, every, every, or that uh, every province doesn't have a full paid up uh, coaching squad in the same way that the men do. Uh, in that, um, well, of course, long, long, long way to go. But we actually, what we're actually seeing, Paul, is at all levels of the game, we're actually seeing more female coaches and male coaches enter at all age grades and varying ranks, wanting to coach the women's game. I think that's that's a huge plus, and I'm uh, what I'm finding is particularly with the senior to elite level coaches, the wahine are far more receptive and actually want to learn some of the skills which are taken for granted, particularly in the men's game. So they're focusing more on skills, being able to play a more tactical game. Hence, why we see players like Kendra Coxedge. You know, in my view, she's one of the best rugby players, both male and female, uh, on the planet at the moment because you're creating players who are skill based. Who can who have who have a better idea of what yep. game management is all about, and that just filters down right right through to the uh, age grades, and we see some of the younger girls playing the game, wanting to be the next Kendra Coxage. Pretty simple logic. And I think there'll be a little injection as well from um, uh, some of the girls that were over in uh, Tokyo at the Olympics would have come out of MIQ. And uh, I think they were released on uh, might have been when it was Monday night. That was last night. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these girls get re released into the uh, respective uh, provinces. 
Yeah, I've got to remember that uh, the, 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 the demands of sevens and fifteens are different. Um, I remember talking to Barrington uh, last year, which was playing for Taranaki, and she was saying she had to put on weight um, to play fifteens um, because she was too small uh, and didn't have the, the, the muscle from, from, from playing sevens because the demands of the game are different. Um, so we'll see if some of them, if how, so if you saw them playing last year in 15s and think, Hey, they'll be at that level straight away. They might not be because the demands are different between two games folks before you, uh, have unrealistic expectations, unrealistic expectations of some of the players. Yeah. And, uh, gentlemen with, with what's happening and particularly with what's happened in the Olympics, we're actually going to see a lot more specialization in the women's game where you will see players specialized four seven so we're not going to have that hybrid sort of co-mingling um and that is going to be a significant pattern in the development of the women's game particularly here in new zealand i think we've already had that i don't i, don't, I mean um you look at uh, a bunch of those, the a bunch of the sevens players and you ask and, and say okay how many mps how many sorry far Palmer cup games they played and until last year they hadn't right it was only because of covid and the fact they couldn't go on a hsbc series that they were released for 15s. Otherwise, they don't. They, they don't. they don't touch 15s. Some of them will come back to 15s for a World Cup. We do a Rugby World Cup next year. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, oh, I've gone blank. Um, Steve, uh, uh, Northern Lady. Um, oh, rugby player. Crystal Murray. No. No, we no, oh, play Tyler sevens Mon- currently. Tyler Nathan Mon, uh Portia Woodman. Porsche Woodman, there we go. Uh, Porsche Woodman clearly has, has come back for each of the Rugby World Cups and has played and, and has, has been big in both teams. But, um, but uh, yeah, you, you, your other players quite often are not uh, don't cross over. She's one of the few actually that does um, in that in that point of view. So, um, and I've forgotten who I did an interview with someone from Bay of Plenty, and it was her debut in Fair Pro Palmer Cup. She says, "Yeah, I've not played 15s for six years because I've been playing sevens the whole time." So yeah, no, it is a um, that it, it, it has been specialised. Last year was the exception. I, I'd be, I, and, and this year, some of them may come back because they're trying to get into the Rugby World Cup. But otherwise, I, I wouldn't expect them to come back into NPC, to be honest. Um, sorry, F, FPC. Um, so, NPC. Um, counties, oh, dearie me. Mm. In a bit of trouble. Um, how are we getting the win there? Uh, which is... Um, uh, which which is uh, good for them to get their first win of the season, um, but uh, yeah, counties, uh, their head coach really was uh, uh, very upset um, after that one, and um, so you, you'll be able to hear how upset when uh, I put the video up um, of my interview with him. Um, but um, and uh, unfortunately, he has uh, or well, unfortunately for, for for counties, he's been announced now that Ross Filippo is heading over to Harlequins um, next at the end of the season. Two, two or three quick points out of that game. You know what? You get three points on offer in an arm wrestle. You, you take them every day of the week and, and twice on twice on Sunday. Some, simple as that. You know, that game was never going to be an open game on a on a sort of dewy night on uh, down at uh, Ecolite Stadium. Um, other key factors for me, I thought um, the two Bryns, Bryn Hall and, and Bryn, Bryn Gatlin, I think they managed that game well enough. Brent Hall, especially, you could even hear through the mics, a lot of talking from the halfback, keeping that organisational factor uh, going uh, for North Harbour. And, and of course, they get one one opportunity to score a try and they nail it. Listen, full credit to Moses Leo. 
who was basically making his full debut. He's a boy out of Takapuna. He's a, he was the outstanding centre in Takapuna uh, North Harbour Club rugby last year. Um, he's been played out of position, but I watched him all night, got a bit of time for this kid, chased every kick, and um, basically put a lot of pressure on the receiver. And um, he, he had one glimpse with his attacking game, brilliant thrust with his pace, and of course the offload. But boy, you got to give Sean Stevenson the, some credit for taking that pass. Unbelievable skills to uh, to take it at pace, and really that that was the that was the story um, from a from a county's Monaco point of view. Um, their best player, and uh, I'm still scratching my head why he wasn't the starting number eight the week before, and that was Hoskins. So he showed his class on the night, and um, guys, I think that virtually sums that game up. I just want to leave out these two sides have got quite a lot of young players coming in uh, and quite a lot of debutants this year with, with little experience. Um, yeah, you, you've, you've mentioned one, but I mean, uh, the kicker, um, again, playing out of position, um, um, Halliday, who's actually a uh, who's actually a fly half normally or fullback, but wow. playing on the wing. Um, another young guy playing out of position. Um, so, yeah, I think two sides have got, they've got, they've got lots of young players in it. Um, kick a, you, can, you can kick a rugby ball, that's for sure, Paul. <laughs> yeah, bigger, for me, the biggest for me the biggest difference was the level of skill in the catch and pass. If you actually, I, I, I cut some video and was looking at how the North Harbour boys were doing it. You know, you had guys like Bryn Gatlin who could actually catch the ball with their fingertips and good, strong base, the hips, moving the ball nice and crisp, and particularly that pass on a wet night. Sean Stevenson, all that experience. Caught it just slightly behind his shoulders, but he didn't stop his momentum forward. He hit the ball at pace. It was all over. But if you look at the counties, boys, number of occasions, the passes were loopy. They were a, a, a lot slower. And, and frankly speaking, it wasn't up to NPC standards. So that, for me, was the biggest clear-cut difference. And, of course, as you uh, rightly mentioned, uh, Mr. Harris, the Bryn and Bryn show, I think the game management was fantastic, and particularly Bryn Gatlin. His game management, he is your quintessential tradesman at NPC level. He's so good. He understands which part of the field you need to be playing the ball. He understands uh, the resources, his teammates. And, and he's the sort of guy, you know, if, if you're a forward, he, he's your dream first fight because he gives you so much meters where you can kind of cruise in from stoppage to stoppage. And he gets you playing your best footy in the right part of the field. So I think Bryn Gatlin, for me, that was a, a, a very simple but virtuous performance. Yep. Uh, Tasman ed ed edged Auckland 16-11. I'll be honest, I haven't seen this one. Um, but um, Perry Perry Parkinson, yellow card after 80 minutes. Too late. Uh, too little too late from the referee there, maybe. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I say, I've not yeah. seen this one. But it uh, looks like, oh, wow, a comeback win. Auckland leading 6-11 at halftime and didn't score a point in the second half. Jeez. Yeah, be be beautiful day down in, uh, um, out of Trafalgar Park in, in, in Nelson. But, boy, I think for this Auckland team, a little bit of a missed opp opportunity here. And speaking of opportunities, you know, we're probably giving Harry Plummer a whole lot of credit for his kicking performance um, the week before against Canterbury. But then, and even what you might call stellar conditions, just missing a couple of, Key, key opportunities, but there were times Auckland, they, they seemed to be getting it together though. They were able to put some really, really good uh, facets together in this game, Boa. Yeah, certainly. It was just you know, lack of execution, and for the manpower they had, it was very, very, very disappointing. 
And I have to say, if you're, you're banging the money there, right? I mean, uh, first up, you get an opportunity like that to topple a team like Tasman at home. You've got to take it with both hands. So I think Coach Alama Remia would be really, really disappointed. Um, one thing I have to say with the DMAC penalty, 59 out, hopefully all these coaches and playmakers and players in the NPC have taken note that when you get a chance, take the points. Get ahead on the points, on the scoreboard, treat it like a final, treat it like a knockout game, get ahead, play the clock, play smart rugby, take the points. So I think that's, that's one area. Uh, there are a number of opportunities where, given that on the back of a, a good kicking performance, Harry Plummer had ample opportunity, but they just chose to uh, you know, put it into touch. And then, surprise, surprise, they screw it up, quite literally, and they give possession back into Tasman. Tasman, quality side, great game, great management, and they just, you know, they hung in there. They're like that pit bull terrier. They just didn't want to go yeah. away. It wasn't the prettiest win, but end of the day, a W is a W, and winning over a side like Auckland, fantastic result for Tasman. Oh, that that, that game, and, and like Auckland had the, they had the, the breeze in the first half and, and probably played enough of the game in, in in the right right territory and of, of course took a took an opportunity from a, a really good set piece play off the back back, back of the line out bent you know bent the line really really well and um you know and, and finished it well and probably 11 what was it 11 11 three I think it was up 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 at half time just okay. probably wasn't really enough points or, or enough points to put scoreboard pressure on on Tasman and if you leave leave the door open for a team like um for a team like Tasman, they'll they'll basically you know, take it. You know, guys who are normally quite reliable, reliable Ryasi probably didn't have his best game either. But I I, I must admit, I've actually been really impressed with Jonathan Ruru. He's been seems to have covered that, carried that form over from Super Rugby. Well, he's he's wanting to get involved. He's wanting to play. And again, with those sparks of energy, uh, I mean, there were two very kickable points, uh, two kickable uh, penalty goals oh. in the first half. And had they, had those two been slotted, yeah. it would have been 18 points. It would have been a different result. So, again, yeah. it goes back to do the simple basics, right? You get an opportunity at goal, kick it, go, take the points. Take the points. Throw, throw in the conversion that was uh, the try just before halftime by uh, uh, Ray Assi was scored mid-22 and um, mid-22 and, and sort of goalposts. You know, you've got to knock those points over. You're leading at halftime by 13 13 points to 11, and it, you know, I think once uh, uh, Tasman sort of scored, uh, and then Tasman hit, hit right back just before halftime, 16 11, and yeah, you just thought G. Auckland would have to play some some half in the second half, even though it took Tasman until about the 58th, 58, 59th minute to basically uh, um, level it up and take the lead. Yep, so best opportunity there by Auckland. Um... Next up, a Canterbury. Will they be? Uh, will they be regretting letting Brett Cameron go to Manawatu? I mean, Manawatu, to me, have been the surprise package of the season so far. Um, pushing, uh, pushing. Well, okay, it, it took a late try for them to get back within two, or back within three. Sorry, um, at, uh, but yeah, with three minutes left on the clock, they're only three points down. Uh, Manawatu on on Canterbury. Uh, Burks missed a couple of kicks. Um, boy, oh boy, that would have been a famous victory by by Manu too. Yeah, it's still yeah. a fantastic, a fantastic performance for oh, them. Listen, uh, listen, and some really, really good tries. A brilliant set piece 
um, from Manawatu that you know the first try was scored after four minutes, but it basically came through an in, for, for, from an inside ball. It looked like they were going one way, and there was a ball and there was a gap that you could have driven a bus through the through the middle of the of the defence. And Brett Cameron put a, a very nice little touch with a kick out to the right hand side. Um, Canterbury got a player back, couldn't control it, but the halfback Henry was there to, to score to mm-hmm. score the try. But then they kind of un, undid the work. Um, a couple of minutes later, a, a kick which basically got charged down, and and Fiaki, who had a very very good game, pretty much sprinted from from fifty, I think fifty odd, fifty odd meters out, and yeah, just against Can- Canterbury, you've you've got to got to take <clears throat> every opportunity, but more importantly, play a little bit of it field position and play them in, in 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 their part of the area. Of course, uh, Brett Cameron kept them in a game, but then we saw probably the, the try, the real set-piece try of the game where uh, Fihaki was given some space on the outside and just absolutely uh, uh, dealt to his opposite and just showed the skill that this kid has got. I, I keep forgetting he's only 20 years old. Crazy. <laughs> oh, well, well rehearsed, and I think Manavatu have really put some serious thought in their preparation and they've got a lot of clarity. So all the players, they know individually what they need to do. And I think as they go deeper and deeper into the season, their form's going to get better. They'll understand their roles better. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful to see this. Um, and hopefully long may this consistency continue and we might, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, jump the gun here, but I don't know, maybe we might see uh, a little purple patch, something special starting 2021 with, Manawa two, the turbos. Yeah, just just before I go, um, last week uh, Seamus Hurley Langton, the number seven, was very very impressive against Counties Monaco, and once again he put in close to another man of manager man of the match performance. And we're talking about a player who was drafted out of Wellington Club Rugby. So full credit to Peter Russell, the head coach, for uh, basically having the eye to select that sort of talent unwanted by. By Wellington, but then again, why why not when you've got the likes of uh, Duplessis Kurifi uh, running running around? But I'm uh, pretty sure we'll uh, have plenty more to say about his form in that one cup of Wellington game. And, and and therein lies the answer. Pete Russell, very smart operator. I mean, if you recall uh, some of the stuff he did with the Magpies when he was at uh, the Hawks Bay, yep. awesome coach, uh, really knows his straight. And you know, this this is at NPC level. This is what you. This is what coaching really comes down to, getting your tactics right, understanding the game plan, understanding the opposition, understanding your resources, and every game looking to continually improve. So great stuff, Manavatu. I know it's early days, but let's hope this continues. Now, we're going to go quickly through the next one because we're late. Um, but uh, Hawks Bay beat um, Otago. Good second-half performance. Uh, Round 30 shield defence, uh, nicely done. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Hawks Bay end up putting all their best performances in at home in their own yeah. Fully Shield games and just can't get up for the away games because last week wasn't so good. Yeah, listen, um, for Hawks Bay, um, full credit to them. They lost um, uh, Ash Dixon late in the piece to um, um, basically, I think he had an injury that had a little bit of poison in, in, involved or, you know, of sorts. Um Listen, it took Hawks Bay a while to get going. They had uh, they were Otago had a big win behind them, started the game really real, and and, and I think they may have, may have even got out to uh, they may may have even got out to ten points to nil. Big big your pardon, seven points to nil. Then then Hawks Bay hit back with quite a soft try uh, to Nerai Formai, 
Um, but the, the problem is for, for Otago, for all that field position, territory and ball, they just weren't scoring enough points. And I think they probably missed a, a couple of their key players, Jonah Nareki, of course, out for the rest of the season. And, of course, um, Josh Iwani not playing. And um, just to add insult to, to injury, Hawks Bay, who'd really only visited the, the, the um, Otago 22 twice, um, pick up a try to Lolangi Vicenere. And once again, the defence with a little kick in behind. Nowhere to be seen. And I think going in at 47 at half-time, we know Hawks Bay are also a second-half side. And uh, I think the, the ink was probably already pinned by then. So I'm, 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 I'm glad I said uh, we'll zoom through this one and to be rather again the... the, the, the... The, the, the full breakdown from you, Stephen. But no, yeah. I'm trying to get no, past I'm, it. I've got, got to give all these um, unions some love. <laughs> um, the uh, Waikato versus Wellington, then I did a preview on uh, SENZ for this one um, uh, on, on, the old, on the old radio, real radio. Uh, and I said, oh, look at this. This is one that's, um, th- that will be pretty close. Uh, two very good uh, midfields. Uh, only four Wellington to zoom out to a 34-8 to lead at half time. So I put on Twitter, don't listen to my preview because it's wrong. Um, only for Waikato to come back and it was a close one in the end. So um, so I didn't know what I was talking about um, after all that. But I'm really impressive. Uh, in that first half, a discipline from Waikato, real problem. Um, uh, Karifi uh, having a great game. He comes off early in the second half. Ruben Love comes off, who's also... I think uh, someone that we've sort of learned about this year through Super Rugby, but we're learning um, that he's a decent operator uh, at this NPC level, um, where he's got a little bit more time uh, and is uh, and he's getting some good experience in. Um, and um, so, yeah, so it was a um, uh, so what with those two off, um, Waikato cut out their, their disciplinary issues uh, and um, uh, and and zoomed through um, for the win. A, a, a massively impressive comeback. You could have got Waikato at uh, $23 at halftime at the TAB. Um, <laughs> um, uh, when they were, uh, eight, uh, um, I say, 8 to 34 down. And they even had a try um, held up or disallowed when um, Xavier Rowe uh, did a little, quarter, a little sort of quarterback sneak and got held up over the line. So um, really impressive performance by, by, by Waikato. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's... Um, uh, if you have a listen to Ross, uh, I thought I uh, Ross Filippo. Uh, I called the can- the, uh, the the county's head coach Ross Filippo. Sorry, got the wrong name for that one. Um, Tyler Vere. Thank you. Tyler Vere was the county's one from earliest, folks. So yeah, corrections corner there. Um, and uh, Ross Filippo here. Yeah, um, <laughs> real bubbly guy. Well, especially after a win, but he's going to get himself in trouble for talking about referees. So uh, have a listen to my interview with him after this, because <laughs> Bella, Bella would, uh, would, would, yes, him and Bella would get on great down the end of the bar with a, a couple of points. I've, 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 I've been on a few courses with him where, you know, uh, in, yeah, I've, I've loved every moment with him. So uh, <laughs> what can I say? So, yeah, um, it, yeah we, we were talking about uh, Waikato versus Wellington, the Farrow Palmer Cup being game of the weekend, but this was also... An absolute cracker! It was a real, yeah, a real treat for me to be at FMG Stadium for both of these games um, uh, this weekend. Um, any sort of final points, Stephen? Yeah, um, I, I watched. Uh, obviously, obviously, really disappointed with uh, 
uh, Northland shift. They're having a lot of injuries at the moment. Oh, sorry, I, I was going to say, we've got, yeah, we've got two more about, about this game. Oh, okay, about the, the Wellington, uh, yep. the Wellington no, Waikato game. I must Done. admit, I didn't watch a, a lot okay. of that game, but okay. all it basically says to me is... Uh, when you get momentum shifts, that, that yellow that yellow card it was to uh, to Julian Savia, what I saw of it seemed to have a big a big pretty a, a big say in the momentum of the game, and also Duplessis Kariffi, um, yeah, um, going off as big came yeah. off. It just it just basically meant uh, Waikato just seemed to dominate that breakdown, and boy, some really good injection from uh, the quarter of the uh, Waikato team, uh, Liam Messon, when he came off the came onto the uh, park. And the old boy going to try as well. Um, at the same time as that, I think was Southland versus Bay of Plenty. Bay of Plenty getting a big win over over Southland. Um, they're eleven thirty one. Uh, not a surprise really. Bay of Plenty, a championship team. Uh, sorry, premiership team that we're expecting to make the finals. Southland, a championship team that we're not expecting to get promoted. So look, I think the kind of result we expect when we look at the the quality of cattle, uh, the spending that they uh, power that they both have, uh, unsurprising there. Um, now, unfortunately, during due to lockdown, we're probably not going to get to uh, have a chat with the um, with with Southland. Steve and I are both hoping to be at um, Harbour versus Southland this Friday, uh, but um, to, to catch up and find out what's going on down there. But I think you've had a quick chat with the uh, the head coach down there recently. Yes, I, I certainly had I had a brief chat with him on uh, Monday just to spoke to, to talk about the game and. Really, at the end of the day, it came down to to, to really little little moments for this uh, for the Southland team. They at um, the 67th minute, they were at 17-11 when Marty Banks uh, kicked the penalty. But it was only a, a minute later where they basically didn't mark up on uh, the blind side and probably the star turn of the match. Um, Fijian uh, winger Onisi Ratavai, who was just an absolute beast. Uh, whenever he touched the the ball, he was part of the uh, flying Fijians uh, squad when the Fijians took on the All Blacks. Boy, just an absolute brilliant pickup because he gives them real X factor out on the wing. He had a big say in the first try that was scored by um, by Mitchell Carpick and you know ten nil with a bit of a breeze behind them in the second half. Southland and um, you know once Ratuvai went over in the 68th minute to push it out to. Uh, 22-11, Caleb Trask with the conversion. That pretty much was the game. And, of course, the yellow card to Charles Alemalo for uh, basically he got cleaned out on the side of the ruck, but unfortunately retaliated by putting his man into a player's face on the ground. So he received a uh, yellow card. And, of course, um, the replacement, uh, Broughton, who was making his debut for uh, Bay of Plenty, uh, pretty much iced the game in the 78th minute to um, take it out in the conversion to 31 points to 11. Sometimes rugby is so cruel. I think uh, Southland deserve to win, to be a little bit closer with all the effort that they put in. But um, listen, credit to the Southland side. They are not going to be an easy side. They are no longer the easy beats they were two or three seasons ago. Um, Dale McLeod's done a, a wonderful job uh, putting the squad together. But I think the, the issue for him is probably just having depth when you go in against these top sides and being to, able to stay in the contest. And this last one, well, there are two ways of looking at this last game. Um, I'll take the view that, uh, that Stephen won't. See you later. See you uh, later. The... <laughs> <laughs> is, look, Taranaki last weekend, uh, round one, beat Hawks Bay 33-19. Um, they beat Northern 48-14 in this one. So you can either say, uh, look, Taranaki are better than we were expecting coming into the season, or 
you can say Northland are in a right mess, losing 54-7 in the opening weekend. Again, 14, 40, 80, 40, uh, 48 here. They're minus 81 points after two games, um, points difference. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you, you basically a side in form against a side who are totally out of form. Um, and this is kind of what uh, this, 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 this is kind of what happens, I think. Yeah, uh, listen, you, you summed it up very well. And also uh, a Taranaki side who, if you look at their squad compared to last year, um, I know their CEO, Lawrence Corlett, and uh, probably part of their board looked at having having enough depth and quality. Boy, they've brought in some depth and boy, have they brought in some pace as well on uh, on their wings as well with uh, Kitty um, uh, Nahulo, younger brother of, and of course um, is um, Joseph uh, Ratamaivuku Nepkins as, as well. You know, that's the sort of pace and they've got another Fijian boy. Uh, name just escapes me at the moment. So yeah, they're just ticking all their all the boxes at the moment. Northland had a good part, good start to the game, scored an early try, but then absolutely <clears> butchered <throat> a try that could have been out 40 0 was just a simple draw and pass. But uh, I think once they um, started having a few injuries, lost Tamati Tua, who's been out he had shoulder surgery last year, but this time he's got a hamstring out out for three weeks. They started. Uh, Sam Nock, who's carrying a soft tissue injury, injury at the moment, he left at half time, and, and unfortunately, once again, you're you're looking at your next lot of lot of depth, and some of that depth, you know, having already lost Ranger for the season, Tom Robinson unlikely to be to return this season. Yeah, they're really pushing the proverbial um, uphill, and um, it would not surprise me if they're already uh, planning for season 2022 and that's in and around the dip very very harsh lesson to learn so tikia solomone i think is the uh fijian wing you're talking about off the bench um the uh and, and hopefully i've got something near the right um, pronunciation there folks and um, look i look i, I has been there for a few seasons now the problem is this is this this is the first time he's managed to be fit for two games on the trot um he, he, tend, he, he has a very good relationship with the moon boot um unfortunately um, so uh, the, the, our main hope has got to be that, um, that that he stays fit for this season because yes, lots of potential was in the Chiefs squad um, last year, not this year, uh, but again ended up being injured all season and so hence wasn't held on till this year because he just has not played much rugby recently as he's been on the um, uh, he's been on the physio table the whole time. So uh, yeah, hopefully you've got to remember that, that um, Taranaki have also lost Sean Wainui, who's been a, 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 a um, an an important player for them over the last few years. Uh, so yeah, they have lost players as well. Um, so I, I say a team that I that I didn't have much hope for because I thought they'd lost some of their Super Rugby players, but um, but looked to be playing well for each other, uh, which, which and, and seem to know each other, which I think is going to be the important thing. I was going to I was going to say I was going to say Paul, if you look at their pack of O'Neill, Riccatelli, Bent, Josh Lord, Tukuvai, Jesse Pareti, um, Peter Sawakula, and Tom Florence. That's there's a lot of Super Rugby experience. Yeah, true. In, in, in that pack, and if you you look at the back, you know Ratamavuki, Nipkins, um, Pero Feta, all uh, Tay Walden, they've all got super super rugby experience. But they also, um, you know, you kind of look at their bench; they're probably a little bit light on the bench. But they've also got Slater, who's played a bit of um, uh, super rugby as well. But once once again, I think they've pretty much put a line in the sand that they're the team to beat in that championship division. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to lose the eye now as he heads off for the All Blacks. Even though um, uh, the uh, Ian Foster has been saying that, they're, that they're, what they're going to probably do is leave a couple of players back to get some more game time. 
I don't know if Va'ai will be one of those or not, but he'll be a massive loss for, for Taranaki. Um, so Akulo, remember last year, I guess he was involved with the All Blacks, so they've got him back this year as well. So that's like having a new signing, um, even if he isn't, because uh, he's been around for a few years for them. But um, but yeah, uh, it's um, cracking, as you say, cracking start to the season by um, by the Naki, uh, especially if we thought Otago would be the uh, the pace setters, uh, and say they they really came up short um, uh, this weekend. So uh, looks like uh, say Manawatu and Taranaki. The uh, going to be the leaders, uh, the pace setters, in uh, to, to to keep an eye on this one. Thank you, Roger boys. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, if uh, if you're not up to much, we might uh, might uh, tr try and do something on Thursday, uh, since uh, people might still all be in lockdown uh, and uh, you'll be getting bored at home. So maybe we'll try and do uh, some sort of show on Thursday, folks. Um, the um, uh, I know Stephen won't be because he's an essential worker. He'll be out and about working, but uh, Boa. Uh, no. um, <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm working from home, um, but hey guys, okay. um, just want to say life can be pretty fickle sometimes, and um, and uh, listen, uh, thoughts go out to Totai Kefu and mm -hmm. his 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 family. I mean, say it just goes to show in, in life it it doesn't matter wow. doesn't doesn't matter who you are, but listen, by the sound of it, um, he's on the on the recover, and um, let's hope we see. Um, the big man out uh, coaching coaching Tonga again. I'm pretty sure he's getting a lot of support at this stage. But uh, once again, you you never know in life. Yeah, someone that I interviewed only a couple of weeks ago, um, after the uh, the Cook Islands game and also after the uh, uh, the, the Samoa game as well. So uh, the the first Samoa game that Tonga's did. So yeah, so someone uh, that um, that we we've we've talked to. Uh, uh, it really brings it home as to what can happen. So stay stay safe, folks. Uh, do lock your doors at night as well. Uh, stay safe from the COVID. Um, thank you very much, boys. Uh, thank you everyone for watching and joining us. Don't forget to, um, that, to keep an eye out on Thursday. As I say, my uh, Aaron Lawton interview will come out then. Uh, and uh, do go check out that interview with uh, Cameron um, Bell um, as well. That's uh, out there on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Uh, not Twitter, um, and pod the podcast. <laughs> oh, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 